Anya's just going to share just a brief testimony as well, just on the Lord's done for her. Hi. Unaccustomed as I am, public speaking, my nerves. Anyway, the Lord's just been pressing me um, to share this testimony. So when I was a, a student, um, 105.9 years ago, um, I was involved in, I didn't know the Lord, and I came from a Catholic background, so it's complicated. But, um, so I was involved in three car accidents within the first two within three months of each other, and then the third one 18 months later, which left me um, with a hemiparesis on my left side. And um, I'm just amazed at, in the first accident, this young woman, she literally died in my arms, and I just, like, God, why her, not me? And I heard his voice. It's not my time for you. I've got work for you. So, like, wow. Okay, so then the next accident, going to represent Varsity at a student's conference um, with a Catholic priest at the time. And um, so we had a massive accident out on the car cuttings, and we rolled right down. And again, it was God, like, what? What now? And, um, and again... It's not your time. And then the third one, <laughs> um, when I was, I had a very bad whiplash, which caused the hemiparesis. So what I want to say is I want to encourage anybody, just know that even before we knew God, I only gave my heart to him um, six, seven years after all that drama, but he restored my body to being able to walk and use my arm and and my legs <laughs> right down the left side. And so I just want to give him all the glory that before I was with him, he's been with me all along. Amen. That's good and faithful. Eh? And um, so lucky to hear what he does. Like I'm just so aware that God is so involved in, the, in our individual lives, as well as corporately, as well as all of us. And like, he'll do things sometimes for all of us, because all of us, but then in that craziness of what he's doing, he's actually working in each of us individually. It's like, blows my mind. I, I guess that's why we're human, right? And he's God. He keeps it all together. <laughs> and he's, he works in all things to the good of those that love him. Oh, man, he, God's faithful. We to keep finding him and keep seeing him in, in what he's doing in us, in our situation. So I do f feel, it was so lacquer seeing and hearing what God was doing this morning because I do feel the Lord is wanting to point us in a direction and something for us to begin to focus or to remind us to hold our focus on that which is important actually. Um, and if I had to entitle this, I would, I would call this love versus knowledge. Um, and you guys know the scripture in 1 Corinthians, it says, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. And I think the Lord wants to ground us in bring, and bring us back to that which is actually more important than growing in understanding and knowledge is loving one another. And I, I love that topic, and I love preaching on the topic. I like, there's a story about John. You know, all, John, all know John, the apostle of love. And there's a story of he was an old man in the church, 
and uh, they, would, they would kind of wake him up. He was kind of lying on his mat. I think it was in the Ephesian church at the time. And, and this is just church history. It's not in the Bible or anything. But they would, they would like, hey, John, you know, what do you want to say? And he would like kind of wake up out of his, I don't know how old he was. And he would say, love one another. Love one another. And that's all he would say. He wouldn't preach. He wouldn't do this profound, eloquent teaching or anything. He would just love one another. And it's like, that's the essence of the gospel, right? That, the gospel enables us to love one another, actually. I just heard, I heard yesterday at the Cape, Flat, uh, the, the Cape Flats equip time, Rian from Edgemead preached on, on loving, actually loving one another. And, the, and because of Jesus, we're able to love one another. And I do feel like the Lord's wanting to pull us back to that. But also to give us a bit of a framework and a understanding and a theology for sometimes why we do what we do. Even as elders, as leaders, we've been entrusted with the flock, entrusted with the care of the saints, your health. And I do feel like the Lord's wanting to say to something to us as a congregation, but before we get there, you need to understand why. Why he does it and how he works in many ways. And even, even in that, you need to understand what even the role of an elder our role is within the church, within the body. And um, I'm not going to go into deep teaching on that, but there's just briefly, the, the, there are three interchangeable words that get used in the Bible for, the, for an elder. The one is, it's presbyteros, episkopos, and poimain. They're different, and they all have kind of different meanings and different functions, but this is who, what elders are, right? Um, presbyteros is talks about experience and also refers to those who are gatekeepers, those who let in doctrine and let, they, they let in and they let out, right? They protect. Uh, Episcopos talks about oversight. Bring, they bring order. They bring order in the house of God. Um, and Point Main talks about protection. Um, it's tending and love, tending the flock, looking after them, loving them caring for them. So just as you, you need to know my heart and my role even as I share these things with you, as we are the household of God, we're the family of God. We've got, we, we've got to keep reminding us, keep remembering that. I, somebody um, said something this week, we were talking just in the context of leading communities and vision and all that, and the question was like, you know, how do we, how much is vision important when it comes to communities and that type of thing. And I thought about the question. I was like, first you've got to ask, what is our vision? And, I mean, we can talk about what we've been called to our mandate and all that, but ultimately our calling, our vision, is we're called to make disciples, right? But before we can make disciples, we get added into a family. So primarily our calling, our vision is to be a family, is to become the household of God, right? And then everything else kind of works through that. It's people get discipled into that. We see people get added into that. And from that, that, the family of God is what God uses actually to advance his kingdom. It's by the church. And that's the church. The family of God, the household of God is the church. And it's by the, by the church he makes his manifold wisdom known to principalities and rulers in high and dark places. You guys, know, I'm sure you know these scriptures, right? But even that, us coming together, this love for one another, there's something of a unity, and he's building his church. And I think we have to understand that we ultimately call, that's what we ultimately call to, is to being this family, being this household of God. 
And we need to we need to understand the concept of being church. Brad Brad Verena from from Oxygen Life has been with us for um, a couple of days this last week, and he was he was sharing with the deacons and elders. And one of the things he said, like he hit that thing. He's like you being the church, being the church, and it just it sat with me. I was like, that is. Who we are, and that's what we're called to do. It's this everyday life together. We are being built together, right? Ephesians 2 verse 22 says this, In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God and His Spirit. God by the Spirit. Not God and His Spirit. God by the Spirit. See? We are being built together to become a dwelling place for Him. So often we say, oh, you know, Guys look for the, where the presence of the Lord is and, and, and that's where they want to go. And, like, and, and I've heard Andrew say this, and actually now that's the scripture why, actually. We don't build on the presence of, the God, of God. We build for the presence of God. That tells us there. Being built together for the dwelling of the Lord by Spirit. We build on Jesus. Jesus, the revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is. And you see, there's actually a difference because if something's built just on the lacquer presence, it's actually not built on. I mean, is that yeah, Jesus is in that? But there's a bit of a there's a bit of a tension between these two things, and I think we need to understand those things. They're very, very important. So, what builds up the church? What builds up the church? I mentioned that scripture in one Corinthians: knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. If love builds up you, and you are the church, it's love that builds up the church, right? Not knowledge, not understanding, not eloquent teaching, not good ideas. It's love. And um, it's very important. What are we seeking to grow in? I think it's very important to ask ourselves that question. Because I do think that we're a generation that desires knowledge and understanding not sacrifice. Not sacrifice. Sacrifice isn't comfortable. But it doesn't take brains and understanding and knowledge to love somebody. It takes sacrifice. It's, it's true. And is this not the way of the cross? Is this not the way of the gospel, actually? Is that not Jesus? He comes, he lays down his life, and he sacrifices for us. And are we not called to look like him and to be like him and to emulate him? So it's not to grow in knowledge and understanding, it's to grow in love. But this gen, us, we, man, it's the nature of man. It started in the garden, right? Adam and Eve, they wanted to know. They, so they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge of good and evil. So there's, this, there's something of man that wants to know. It's, I don't know, it's... A, I don't even know if it's in our fallen state because they wanted to know before, <laughs> before. And I, 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 I watch how that thing works its way into us time and time and time again. It's in every single one of us. It's our default. But God keeps on telling us his design and his ways. And I think it's very important to understand that actually because the message, I mean, Think about the message of the cross. It's quite simple, actually. It's, it's lay down your life and follow me. And, the, and the, 
pick up your cross and follow me. And the cross is an instrument of death, actually. So it's not comfortable. Death is not comfortable. We all know that. And I've spoken and preached many times on that. Somebody, one of the community groups posted it this week. I think it, I think it was your guys' community group. It was, Diere, <laughs> I started to laugh. You know, in Afrikaans, Diere. If you look at the same spits, die here. Right? <laughs> it's just like a jolly, it's like, was the Lord playing some linguistic joke on us all along? <laughs> but that's the truth. Like, the way to the kingdom, the way to love is to actually let go of your life. It's to die. It's, it's, it's down. The way of the kingdom is down. But in, our, in the death, he raises to life, right? That which is sown, actually in this, on his race, glorious. And um, I think there's that, there's that thing that we, we need to take hold of. Loving people's not about me, it's about them. Um, and I do fear that we waste a lot of time, and, and hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying now, we waste a lot of time desiring and ga- trying to gain knowledge instead of loving. We try and figure it out the wrong way around. Because when we love, we will grow in knowledge and understanding of Christ. By loving, we will grow in the knowledge and understanding of Christ. Because through the experience of loving one another, we begin to understand actually how much Jesus loves us. Because we begin to realize how hard it is to love one another. It's interesting that, eh? But we do it the other way around. We want to know and understand, and then we want to love. No. And, and I, the, the scripture, and I, we all know the scripture so well, it's, it's Ephesians 11 all the way to 16. I want to read it because even just constantly the Lord keeps speaking different things out of these things. But this is how he built his church, right? And he gave apostles, and he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the working of the ministry. For, say it with me, building up. Remembering now that love builds up the body of Christ. Until we attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. This, the knowledge of the Son of God is the understanding of how actually he loves us through loving first, to mature manhood, to measure, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ. Now this is, you've got to hold on because actually this is where I want to go with this. I'm, I'm trying to lay a foundation for us here and this is where I want to go with this. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and cunning, by, uh, waves and, oh, sorry, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the, love, or speaking the truth in love, which is doing, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, but I want to go back and I want to focus on that. Tossed to and fro, so that we will no longer be tossed to and fro. And, I believe, and as I was reading this and meditating on this, I believe, firmly believe that when we are grounded in love, we're not so easily tossed to and fro. Why? Because our focus is not knowledge. Our focus is love. Our focus is being connected. But when we are desiring and looking for knowledge, what happens? 
we begin to look, oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, wow, I haven't thought of it like that. Like an eloquent, cunning, craftiness, deceitful schemes. And this enemy is sharp, guys. He's not stupid. He is very clever. He's not going to be blatant. And the, word, the reason I'm bringing this to us is because I do feel like we're coming into a time even more so, possibly than the past, where we have to be on our guard. We have to ground ourselves in the, in, the, in the kingdom and his ways and not be in pursuit of our own ways. Because if we are in pursuit of our own ways, we are in danger of being tossed to and fro. We are in danger, as Paul speaks about, actually shipwrecking our faith. And it's, it's, I love, Paul, you know me, I love boats, and I love the water, and I love sailing, and Paul speaks a lot in nautical terms, actually, he, and he has a lot of experience in this. I even think about his story of when he gets, he's a prisoner, and he gets sent to Rome, and he's, in Acts 27, his story about how he gets to Rome, and the detail he goes into about their, their, their voyage, and the storms that he actually experiences. Um, let's have a look at that, actually. Acts 27, he goes, okay, so they, as, as Paul gets onto the boat, and I, I want you to understand this because this is the lens that Paul speaks to us in the New Testament through. A lot, uses a lot of the terminology, uses this. And I see this parallel in this, right? Um, the northeaster begins, uh, Acts 27, 13 to 31. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. You guys can go and read it and spend some time on that at home. But he talks about the northeaster that begins to blow. And the northeaster is a terrible wind. Um, even actually, you guys know that we, we're originally from Mossel Bay. In Mossel Bay, the northeaster, it's, we call it the devil wind. It's a terrible wind. It just it destroys things. Man. <laughs> it, all the houses are built in the wrong direction. Because uh, generally houses are built north-facing. And, and this wind has the, is just at the right angle to get underneath the tiles of your roof. And, it's, and it can rip, rip roofs off. That's the wind that rips roofs, roofs off. And it often blows quite strongly because just of our climate and the way things are. It, it's not a wind that blows often, but it, when it does blow, it blows strongly. And it's, it's fascinating. Um, even, they, they say even when boats are moored in the harbor, that's the wind that will sink your boat in the harbor. It's interesting there. It creates a strange chop within the harbor that there's quite a lot of turbulence in the harbor, and, and boats have been sunk. Little like the smaller boats, obviously, have been sunk in the harbor, just moored to the jetty because of the wind. And it, it's quite yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> but now this wind is blowing. I was like, I was like, oh, I know the northeaster. <laughs> and um, often you would so he he begins to start telling the story about the north northeaster that begins to blow. And uh, what begins to happen? So first of all, they undergird the boat. You know, undergird means that they take a, 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 often a chain or a, a rope and they tie it under the boat. It's quite a rudimentary way of holding a boat together. And they lash the boat together so that it doesn't get ripped apart in the storm. Um, they bolster the boat, undergird. And I think you know, it's a word that gets used sometimes in the Bible. And we think about it. What does undergird mean? Hold together. Wrap yourself in. Interesting, eh? There's different scriptures. So just think about those things as you read those scriptures. Undergird yourself with truth. Um, then they talk about, first of all, what they begin to do is they lower the ship's gear. So, you know, the ship's got a whole bunch of stuff on board. It's carrying all sorts of things, carrying passengers, carrying um, 
cargo. It's got ropes. It's, I mean, there's a ton of stuff. And they begin to unload the ship's gear. Okay? So they begin to cast off things. And the next day, obviously this isn't enough. The next day, they begin to chuck the cargo, the jetson. You know the word flotsam and jetson? Have you guys heard that word? I think it, I mean, it's jetson. That's what it is, right? Stuff that floats in the ocean randomly. <laughs> and it's because it's been thrown off boats. <laughs> and this is exactly what they do. They begin to throw the cargo off the boat. Um, and eventually they, chuck, they, throw the, they, they throw the tackle of the boat off. So now it's all the ropes. It's the, everything. They, they've thrown everything overboard. They've stripped this boat of everything that makes it a boat and any purpose of it, actually, for the, the safety and the sake of navigating the storm that they're in. They've lightened the boat. They've made it effective. They've undergirded it. They've thrown off all the weight. And this is, this is where they go. And for 14 nights, this goes on. 14 nights. Can you imagine being on a boat for 14 nights and this is blowing, this northeaster? Oh, my goodness. One day is enough for me. And it, it just blows, and it blows, and it blows. And Paul gets up, and he says in verse 21, he says, only they had listened to Paul. He says, "If guys, if only you had listened to me, we would not be in this situation. Let's see what's been. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail for Crete and incurred the injury and lost. And I'm beginning to see a pattern. I was like, Paul's an apostle, guys. They're just... <laughs> This is like, I can't really pull it in. But if they just listen to the apostolic, if they just listen to the counsel of the apostolic, they wouldn't be shipped because they eventually get shipwrecked. You know the story. They eventually get shipwrecked. They wouldn't, be, they wouldn't get shipwrecked, actually. But Paul, obviously, he's a slave. I mean, he's a prisoner. He's bound and he's on the boat and on the way with him. And this is what happens. They do eventually, getting shipwrecked. They do eventually get shipwrecked. And um, so in, you'll, you'll hear where I'm going with this. I'm going somewhere with this. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, on Wednesday, when we were um, at the Deacons and Ellsmere, we were worshiping, and Amago had a picture, and um, I wanted to just come share that picture because I want to. I, I feel the Lord is not only speaking to us, Weinberg. I feel like He's speaking to us, to Josh Jen, to four twelve actually, and it was it was a really good word. And after we actually went and shared with Andrew, and he was feel, he's feeling similar things, right? And I'll give a little bit more context to that. But don't you want to share, love? Um, yeah, so in worship, I had this picture of almost like a Viking ship, like a beautiful ship, but the whole ship has been um, overlaid with gold. So looking at it, it's like beautiful, shiny, bright. Um, and then I felt like the Lord saying, like, all the gold needs to be pulled off the ship and all the cargo that's heavy needs to be thrown overboard. And basically, as the gold gets ripped off, what's left is just the wooden boat looking very, like, bare and basic. But almost like I felt the Lord say, back to basics. And this is necessary to navigate the storm that the boat's about to go into. And, and I didn't know what it related to. And then at the end of the meeting, Andrew said something, and I was like, that's what the picture was about. So I hadn't shared anything of what I was feeling, actually, at all with Margot. And I felt this fitted in so much with what I felt like the Lord was wanting to say to us. So it's not like she had been, we'd been speaking or anything. He completely, he showed this. I actually felt he spoke through this and landed. This came afterwards. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, when the Lord speaks to us prophetically, I think we need, we need to pay attention. As a people, we need to pay attention, right? And, and then I, begin to, I began to think of this journey and the story of Paul and how actually 
important this is for us as a people. And uh, in 1 Timothy um, 1 verse 19, he says, holding faith, and in, holding faith and in good conscience, by rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, right? Now, he's actually referring to a guy by the name of Hermanius and, Alexander, and another guy by the name of Alexander, who Paul had handed over to Satan. It says so in the next, um, in the next, um, script, in the next scripture, the next verse, that these guys had lost their way. They had shipwrecked their faith. They'd actually got caught up. They'd believed that the resurrection had already happened. And actually, what's that theology? What's that doctrine today? The resurrection's already happened. Kingdom now. We've got that same theology, that same doctrine working its way in the churches today, actually. And Paul is going, that thing, that, if you, that's dangerous. Don't listen to that thing. And actually, eventually, he's so much so, he hands them over to Satan that they will be saved, yeah? That Jesus, that Jesus has come back. Yeah, he's, already, he's returned already. So in many ways, it's, it's, it's now that we're living. That, and the theology today is that we, and in many ways, this does happen, but we're not living in, it's not going to get better before he comes back. It's going to get worse, and then he's going to come back, right? And there's the theology today that we make, you know, we're going to arrest these different areas of seven mountain mandates. I don't know if you've heard it. It's like we're going to arrest these different areas of, of, of society, and we're going to win back education and culture and all of these things and, and submit it to the kingdom, and, and then, you know, it's, it's going to be heaven on earth. And, and that's, that's not good theology, to be honest with you. It's, I clearly see in the Bible it's going to get worse, and Jesus is going to come back, and then he will restore, right? It's per, all I see is persecution promised. <laughs> Not a, so we can talk about that another day. If you've got questions about that, you want to come and ask me. <laughs> but I think these guys, to some degree, had got caught up in a false doctrine, false theology, because actually he begins with 1 Timothy warning people about false doctrine and false theology and, and the dangers of it, actually. And, and this is the ship, right, that he's, he's talking about. We're the, we're the boat. We're, the, we're navigating the storms. Are we, are we adding a whole bunch of lack of frills and stuff to us? Gold? Are we trying to keep all these things on board? Or are we actually stripping? It's interesting. Even that word rejected is a nautical term. It means thrown over, throw overboard. <laughs> interesting. He goes, throw the necessary things overboard. But they, they, had actually thrown, they had thrown the wrong thing overboard. <laughs> they had thrown the truth overboard and held on to the, the gold, in a sense. And uh, I feel like in this, the Lord is saying to us, we need to ready ourselves. Andrew said this, he is concerned that arguments and doctrines are becoming so eloquent and so well put together that the danger is huge, actually. There was a time where, well, a good few years ago, Andrew asked everyone in Josh Jen, to stop reading books and listening to stuff from the outside. It was about 15 years ago or so. A couple of prophetic words came in. He was sensing it in his spirit that something was coming. Words began to come in. And, and um, I think Milani brought, brought a word and said, we feel like we need to close the windows um, of anything outside, actually, because it's a time of danger, a storm is coming. 
And uh, he felt it as well. And he, it takes guts to do that, right? Because if you don't understand the role of an elder and what the apostolic is, it can feel very controlling. But when you understand what our role is, and it's done out of love and care, it's being, actually just being led. There's the difference between leading and control. Control is for gain. Leading is out of love, right? And there's a leading to, to the truth. And as, as elders, we have a responsibility. So anyway, about 15 years ago, he, he said, guys, please, for the next season, I don't want you guys to read anything else other than the Bible. I don't want you to listen to any teachings anywhere else. The, the, the waves and the wind of doctrine are blowing. We need to be careful not to get caught up in these things. Keep the main thing the main thing. And we did. We shut down, we buttoned the hatches, closed the windows. And it was at about that time that the that doctrine and theology of us, um, I would call it deficient, Mark Davies called, yeah, we call it hypergrace, but actually it's deficient grace because it's not a good understanding, swept through the church and destroyed the church, or many churches, I won't say the church. Many churches got caught up in this thing, and today those churches are no longer churches. They, they, don't, even, they don't even meet together anymore. There's nothing, there's nothing there because the storm decimated the truth was out the window, and these guys got lost, and they landed up shipwrecking their faith. It's quite, and we, we were just holding on. <laughs> we were holding on. We managed to come through, these, through this, that season. When we looked out, stepped out of it, and we looked back, and we go, oh my goodness. With not even completely understanding what was coming, just being obedient to the voice of the Lord, He helped us navigate a storm. And it does, there is, and as Andrew shared this, he didn't draw a hard line, but I've, I've been around long enough to, to, to know that when he sniffs something, we've got to listen very carefully. He didn't even ask me to do, he didn't ask us to do this. I'm going, sure, I'm also sensing something's coming. I've been sensing it for a while. I see that. He's saying that, prophetic's beginning to say that, I think we need to start listening. We need to start being very, we need to start wisening up to these things and keeping the main thing the main thing. So I want to come back to that. Gird ourselves in love and not knowledge. Because knowledge desires, wants to find and hear all the eloquent teaching that's out there, is surfing YouTube to hear the latest, like, the latest thing on even, like, I get it. it's good to know and grow in these things, but the latest on deliverance and the latest apostle here and that and there. No, no, no. The Bible calls us to love, not to, not to, to do those things. We actually waste our time. When, we, when the rubber hits the road, this is the kingdom, not listening, not listening to YouTube, right? And, and it's a hard word to even hear that, right? Because it's like, what do you mean? What is I feel for us as a people, as a congregation moving forward, we need to be very careful. I'm not saying, I'm saying don't, hear what I'm not saying, right? I'm trying to balance this, that you, you hear my heart more. But if we're reading, what book are you reading? We need to be reading the Bible. What voice are we listening to? We need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Not somebody else's revelation or interpretation of what they think the Lord said. In all. This is the family and the household of God that, that, that the Lord's added you to. We are responsible for you, actually, and I'm serious about that when I say I'm responsible for you. I've given my life to that. It means I understand the weight of that thing. I'm not doing this for fun. 
actually hard doing this because people don't like to hear this type of thing. And the chances are you lose some people. We, we, we not, I'm not, we're not here to grow a church. We're here to be a family. Okay? People, healthy things will grow, and I believe the Lord will add to us, but we're not here to grow a crowd. So what I'm wanting to do, I'm wanting to ask us to be very weary of anything else out there. Po- reposting stuff on groups. Listening to, to wor- voices outside of us. And, it's, and again, it's healthy to get outside perspective in. But outside perspective that is trusted. Not just randomly a voice in the wind. talking. There. Those people have got no, they don't have responsibility for you. They don't know you, you don't know them. Be careful. Be careful. The Lord, gird yourselves in love so that we are not tossed to and fro in the storms that are coming. Hebrews, Hebrews 13 says this, have, the NIV version says have confidence and obey. No, it doesn't say and obey. It says have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. The ESV version says obey your leaders. Check the NIVs already. Because no one likes to hear that. Obey your leaders. What? Don't tell me to obey anyone. Have confidence. <laughs> the ESV version is right. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will, give, will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would not be of advantage to you. There's, not advan- there's no advantage to you if you actually fight and you moan and you groan. And Look at the Israelites. Groaning didn't get them anywhere. And we really, like, you hear my heart with these things. I feel the Lord is wanting us to say, guys, keep the main thing the main thing. Strip the boat of all the gold, the frills, the other voices. Love one another. Focus on love. It's harder to love. It's harder to sacrifice. It's easy to listen. It's easy to be, all of those things. But focus on love. And through love, you will gain understanding and knowledge, actually. Does it make sense? You want to share that word? Yeah? Well, come talk, bro. Yeah, so this morning, um, as, we were, as we got to church, there was a stray cat here. I mean, the cat does look like it belongs to a family, but obviously we don't know this cat. And my daughter started playing with this cat, right? And obviously we don't know if this cat is a stray cat, like diseases, whatever, whatever. So I actually said, you're not allowed to play with this cat. And it absolutely broke her heart. It broke her heart. She was crying. It was dramatic. And, and I had to go explain to her, saying, Lovey, we don't know this cat. I don't know if this thing is from the street. If, you know, it can carry diseases, etc." So it was hard for her, but I was actually protecting her, right? So I was going, this is, we don't know if this is going to be dangerous, or rather let's just leave it. And I feel that this is the same what, what Ross is actually calling us to. Like, rather be sure, let's rather serve one another, let's rather keep the main thing the main thing, um, rather than actually messing with things that we don't actually know and, and can possibly puff us up and we're actually in danger of, of actually subjecting our faith. I just want to call Jocelyn. So a few years ago, before he came, Ross Gillespie was... Um, he was leading the, this congregation, and the same thing came up. Andrew said, as he explained, let's just read a word. Let's not, you know, read outside stuff. And, yeah, she actually just reminded me of something. So, Yeah, so when Ross asked us as a congregation to not, to just really, like, batten the hatches, it was hard for me because 
I faithfully, like, I read the Bible, but at that point I was also reading quite consistently daily devotions by Oswald Chambers and reliable people. And I went to Ross Gillespie and I said, is this everything? And he's like, yes, what God is saying right now is it's the Bible. <laughs> and, you know, for years, I've been a Christian for years, and for years I had prayed that I would love the Word, and at that point I still didn't. I tried to, but I didn't. And in being faithful for that month, and only reading the word. God did such a radical work in me. He broke the word open powerfully in my life. Anyone who knows me knows how much I love the Bible and how passionate I am about it. And that happened in obedience to, to Ross Gillespie at that time. That was that obedience. It has brought significant fruit into my life and into the, in the lives of those around us in, in just, okay, it's the Bible. That is what we're going to listen to for the season. And it's not forever. It's a season of like drawing close. And there is fruit and obedience. That's good, Joss. You know, if you're not sure, just ask. There's, that's why the Lord puts us in family, right? There's leaders over us. Is that, just come and ask. If you're not sure, hey, what about this? What are your thoughts on this? What are you thinking? What? Yeah, I, I was actually just also in my heart going like the early church. They didn't have the Bible, guys. <laughs> they met in each other's homes daily, breaking bread, praying, listening to the apostles' teachings. They didn't have the Bible. How fortunate are we to have God's Word? Like, almost like, do we need to add anything to it? <laughs> we already some, and they, that was the early church. That's our blueprint, how we want to build church. But their focus was like meeting in homes, loving one another, breaking bread together, praying together. So, yeah. Loving one another. That's what they did. They loved one another. I just maybe also just want to clarify something. Is There's a difference between knowing God and knowledge too. Right? Knowing God is you'll find him in his word. You'll find him as, you love one an, as we love one another. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge is understanding, and it's almost systematic in, okay, if I do this, I'll get that. That's knowledge. So within us, the times we spend together, the guys on Tuesday evening get together, spend time in Bible study, that's good. But let the Holy Spirit lead you in these times. Wrestle through the Word together. Don't rely on other people's revelations. It's all, get your own revelations. It's a personal relationship with God. That makes sense. Good. When Brooke come. See, this is even just maybe if you're a visitor and you're wondering, you know, why, why are we having people? Because the elders lead the church, right? Essian's one of the elders here. Jeff's one of the, there's also an elder here. We, we lead the church together. We're responsible. So he has authority in this house. Um, a few, actually, I was just reminded of it now, but a few months ago, I was listening to Andrew at an elder's time. And he was saying he feels part of what God wants to do in 412 in Josh Jane for this time is to, that we are people that are led by the Spirit. You know, like God's done like stuff during history. And what he feels for us today is that we need to be people that is led by the Spirit. And the only way that we can be led by the Spirit is reading the Word and, and walking with Him and loving one another. The, like God often breaks stuff open when we love one another. Good. So it's, I don't think there's anything 
I'm going to pray for us. I think this is something we need to take away and just go, okay, Lord, maybe, maybe you're speaking. This is how we do family together. This is how we belong together. This is how we move forward together, right? But I do, I never want to leave an opportunity or just move past on a Sunday without giving an opportunity to, to Jesus, to responding to Jesus. So maybe, don't you guys want to just stand with me? You know, as I've been talking, this may have been absolutely foreign to you, and all you heard of, well, all you heard was actually we've got to love people, right? We've got to love one another. But the, the, the truth is we cannot love one another without properly, without first being in the kingdom. It's because Jesus loved us that we're able to love. It's not, I'm not talking about liking one another. I'm talking about love. You love somebody before you like them. You love somebody before you like them. Who said that? Dane Matthews, I think, said that. It's true. We're able to love one another because Jesus is our King and our Lord and our Savior, and He loved us first. And if the measure for if we're actually in Jesus is if we love, if we're loving people. I love it. He gives us a litmus test. He says, yeah, test yourself. See if you're in the kingdom. Do you love people? Because <laughs> if you love me, you will obey my commandments, and this is the commandment I give you. Love one another. And he's, he's saying, do you love one another? And I want to Maybe you, this, this morning as I've been sharing, you, even now as I've shared, you're realizing it's quite difficult for you to love people. And you're going, oh, hang on a second. Do I actually know Jesus? And he's, 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 he's extending his hand to you saying, you know what? Why don't you step into my kingdom? Why don't you look and understand what I did for you so that you can love? 